administered by Desert Pines High School. Hosted by Philip Adizan. KJAG Radio presents to you Jack in the Dog. Welcome to the 11th episode of Jag in the Dark with your host, Philip Aditan. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode because I will be telling an extra bonus fourth story. Yes, four. But for now, let's just get our show on the road. An app called Forbidden Fruits gave me more than good food, but hey young. It's been three days since I last used an app called Forbidden Fruits, and I've become weak to the point where I can hardly stand over for five minutes. I'm coughing up blood and I know that I have no choice but to open this app and make a new purchase. It'll take around three hours for the delivery, and I really hope I'm not dead by then. I first saw an ad for this app on my Facebook timeline. The first couple of times I saw it, I would pass by it without giving it a read. Honestly, I'm not the most financially set person in the world. Heck, I can hardly afford paying for all the necessities already. Grocery delivery service seemed like a luxury I could never afford, especially since they claim to only deliver the highest quality fruits, vegetables, meats, and all other groceries. It wasn't until I saw the claim they would guarantee to be cheaper than buying from any marts. I finally decided to at least download the app and give it a look. It took around 3 minutes for the app to download and install. When it was finally downloaded, an app called Forbidden Fruits sat snugly between Facebook and Reddit. The loading screen was a photo of what I could only assume as Eve taking a, a what looked like an orange from a snake. After a couple of seconds, I was greeted by photos of all sorts of food and a price tag on the bottom of each photo. They weren't lying about the prices. They were so low it seemed like a scam, which is why I decided to spend the minimum, which was $10. I went with a pack of two steaks for 6 bucks, six apples for $2, and the rest on a couple of bag of chips. I tapped on checkout and it took me to a screen where I needed to fill out the general payment card details, address, and contact number for delivery. Around two hours later, I heard a knock on my door. Perfect timing. It was around 5 p.m. and I was really hoping to eat some steak and chips for dinner. The delivery guy was wearing a small white face mask and sunglasses. He didn't say a word as he handed me a fairly heavy small paper bag. I told him thanks and in response he gave me a small nod before turning around and walking back to his scooter. There was a small picture of an orange in the middle of the bag with forbidden fruits written in the red underneath it. Inside of the bag was everything I ordered. And even with the first glance, I could tell that the apples were really fresh and the steaks were marbled beautifully. I could feel the jewel form in my mouth. By 6 o'clock, both the steaks were sitting on my plate, cooked to a perfect medium rare. They had an open bag of chips sitting next to it. Holy cow. The steak melted in my mouth and it left an explosive taste all over my taste buds. I mean, even the chips that were not branded had the perfect crisp to them as well. And a very nice barbecue flavor. 
I ate an apple as dessert, and what can I say? I was far from disappointed. The apples were juicy, crisp, and had a taste that was far superior to any apples that I had ever eaten before. The only odd thing that happened after the meal was the next morning when I grabbed for an apple and I noticed they were all completely rotten. Even the chips inside the bag looked like there was a coating of mold on all, all of them. Disappointed, I threw them away and opened the app to see if there was anything on there that wouldn't rot so quickly. After looking through all their options, I didn't see anything that indicated an expiration date. Disappointed, I was about to exit the app. There was no way I could afford spending $10 a day on food, but when I clicked to exit, a notification popped up. The minimum, the minimum delivery is now $5. This is promotional for 30 days only. If you would like to take advantage of this offer, please confirm by checking the box and clicking continue. Of course, I went for the deal. It was perfect. The food was great and I didn't have to go to the grocery store or a fast food restaurant since I worked at home. I was at the highest level of convenience. I was only disappointed that the offer was only valid for 30 days. The last day of the deal was three days ago. And like I said earlier, my body has gotten weaker by the hour. By the first day, I was coughing up blood. By the second day, these little things that looked like a couple of worms with two legs started to crawl out of my ears and nose. I even coughed up a bit of these along with my blood. Today, I'm beyond weak. I can hardly stand up without feeling dizzy. I can feel those little creatures swimming in my body. Today, I received a notification from Forbidden Fruits. We recommend ordering a delivery soon. Your body will not be able to feed the parasites much longer. Our food will provide nutrients for both the host as well as the parasites. I messed up, and I'm only writing to you all as a warning. Be wary of any apps that promise discounted organic food. I opened up the app and I placed an order four hours ago. It just arrived, and this time there was a note along with my order. I know you will not be able to afford to keep paying for this food, but there is another option. You can choose to participate in our contest. You'll be one of four participating. If you win, you will receive all of the food you could possibly need for the rest of your life. If you lose, you will just speed up the inevitable. Please call the number listed below if you would like to participate. I called the number an hour ago. The reason why I'm writing to you all is to gather fans. The more I can get off of this page, the better my chances are at winning this contest. So there really isn't much else to say. My name is Adam and I need your help. They're coming to pick me up before the contest begins in four days. It's our first story of the night. And let's continue on to our second. Once again, these stories are found on the Creepypasta website. So make sure you check them out. Hot in the Headlights by Billy I was driving home for school for Thanksgiving break. It was dark even though it was only 7pm. I always hated when it got start when it started to get dark so early. I always felt like I was missing out on the day when it would be dark by the time I got out of class. Unfortunately, I wasn't the only one driving home this evening. Apparently a lot of other students also had this idea, judging from the traffic on the freeway. Bored with the stopping and going of the gridlock, I decided to hop off the freeway and take some country roads past some of the heavier holdups. 
I turned on a road that looked to be running at a about a parallel to the highway, and I went off. It felt nice being able to just drive without worrying about stopping and going and switching lanes. I threw on the cruise control and just rode up the gentle hills and down through the dark farmlands with nothing but the moon, stars, and my headlights lighting up my way. But after about 20 minutes, the farmland turns to a forest and I lost the moon and stars. The darkness made me feel uneasy for some reason. I was worried a deer might suddenly jump out of the woods or a turn in the road would go unnoticed until it was too late. I didn't pass another car since I turned down this country road, so I figured it would be okay to turn on my brights. With my right hand on the gear shift, I reached with my left hand to flick the switch for the bright lights. I froze. My blood turned to ice. My stomach dropped to the floor. My body went numb. I couldn't move. I couldn't think. I couldn't breathe. My body was betraying me. I tried to move. I urged myself to move. I pleaded with my body to move, but I couldn't. Suddenly, I had an incredible urge to look in my rearview mirror. I didn't know what I expected to see, but I just knew I had to look. I used every ounce of strength and will to force my eyes up to the mirror. Inch by agonizingly slow inch, my eyes slid across the interior of my car until finally my eyes came to the mirror. A girl in the backseat of my car sat what appeared to be a young woman in a dress. My brain was numb. I could not comprehend what was happening. She seemed to radiate some sort of pale gray light, but she wasn't illuminating her surroundings. Her wavy hair fell past her shoulders and her expressionless face was sprinkled with freckles. Her dull eyes stared blankly straight ahead. My mind struggled to make sense of the situation. So many questions whirled in my head that had just become a giant tangled mess. I sat there, brain spinning, until the question just fell out of my mouth. Who are you? I barely asked in a whisper. At the sound of my voice, her eyes crashed into mine. They pierced me. They bore into mine and I could do nothing but stare back. They were empty. There was no emotion in her eyes, nothing at all. I felt as if part of me was being sucked into the voice that were her soulless eyes, and the ice that filled my veins felt as if it had turned into a fine powder. Eternities came and went, or so it felt, before I was able to regain my voice. Who? I managed to get out before my voice was lost again. Her eyes remained locked with mine, and for a moment there was a silence. Do I frighten you? Her mouth barely moved. Her eyes never did. I only just heard her. I thought maybe my mind was tricking me. It sounded like words were being caught by a wind. My brain was still in a tangle and I couldn't comprehend what she was asking. I wanted to answer, to tell her yes. She was in fact scaring me to death in hopes that maybe she would stop. But there was a question nagging at the back of my mind that finally made its way at the clutter. Are you a ghost? I whispered. Her eyes continued to burrow into mine, digging deeper and deeper into mine. My body was going cold, but my mind was beginning to clear. Does my presence frighten you? She asked again. Her eyes never wavered. I met her gaze and answered, no. We sat in silence for a moment, my eyes meeting her, hers and piercing mine. The tangle in my brain was beginning to release. My thoughts were becoming more clear. I am afraid of you, but your presence does not frighten me, I whispered. She cocked her head slightly to the side, but continued staring at me, into me. My voice felt stronger now. 
Your presence here is a relief to me in a way. You have proven to me that there is nothing after death. I don't know what it is yet, but it's comforting to know that there is something, anything. She continued staring. Is this how you look when you die? I asked her. She nodded, slowly, effortlessly. She barely appeared to be moving. You were beautiful. Her eyes widened ever so slightly. There was a flash of sadness in them before they consumed by the vast emptiness. Her eyes met with mine. Hers. She lifted her arm and pointed a finger straight ahead. Watch where you're going. At that moment, I regained control of my body. I looked where she had been pointing and saw a sharp turn in the road and nothing but forest in front of me. I slammed on the brakes and turned the wheel. My back tires fishtailed from side to side as I tried to turn the wheel to compensate. My tires came loose off the pavement and I did a full 360 turn before I came to a screeching stop mere feet from a tree. I sat there white knuckled clutching the wheel, was breathing as if I had just run a marathon. I remembered the girl and whipped my head around to look in the back seat but she was gone. I turned back and slumped into the seat. I must have fallen asleep at the wheel. It was just all a dream. After a few minutes of catching my breath and thanking whoever was looking out for me, I turned on my car and got back onto the road. As I was driving with my right hand on the gear shift, I reached with my left hand and clicked for the switch for the bright lights. With a click, the forest was illuminated by my car's lights. A few hundred feet down the road, I saw a yellow-red sign that was read, Caution! High Accident Area! And I chuckled. That sign would have been useful five minutes ago. But as I got closer, there was more writing on it. On the bottom part of the sign was something handwritten in red paint. R.I.P. Samantha. We are now halfway through our show, and be sure to stick around at the end, like I said. And remember, these stories are all on the Creepypasta website. Now let's move on to our third. Salvation by T. Streithorst. In Edmonton, Alberta, there is a hotel called the Cantero off of Jasper Avenue and 109th Street. During the night, go there and ring the doorbell. Should you be let in, look to see who the guard on shift is. If the man looks in his mid-twenties, yet the hair on his head and face both are as white as snow, take a seat beside the security desk. If it is any other guard on shift, leave and return in a week's time. Here you must wait. The guard will not say a word nor answer any questions you may ask. He hears you, but he will not respond. He will only give a look that is sad, as if knowing something terrible awaits. When the time is 2.52 a.m., the guard will rise to perform a patrol of the building. Follow him on this patrol. If you follow him at any other time before 2.52 a.m., you will be forcefully removed from the hotel and lose your chance. Say not a word as you walk the hall behind the guards. You will check that the rooms are all locked, as well as the patrol, the stairwells. When you both reach the fifth floor, you will notice that it is remarkably colder than the last floor. Yes, the floor is definitely quiet. It is normal. When the guard secures all of the other rooms on the floor, you will both stop at a door that seems much older than any other doors you've seen in, in the hotel. This room is 512. Only this particular guard has access to this room. Take note of the key of which the guard uses to unlock the door. It will be important later. At this point, the guard will open the room for you and allow you to pass through. 
It will be quite dark, but not yet to be afraid. The worst is yet to come. Take a deep breath, close your eyes, and step through the doorway. Do not open them until you hear the door close behind you, for seeing the transition can be maddening. It will be almost unbearably hot here. You will find yourself in a long hallway with numerous turns. There will be 13 doors lining this hallway. Do not open any of them. Take note which door has a splash of white paint on it. This will be critical soon. When you reach the end of the hallway, you will find yourself in the living room of the suite. In each corner of the room, you should see a tall figure, each with burnt flesh. They should all be sitting on the floor, hugging their legs with their heads upon their knees and facing their respective corner. Their fingers will not will be chewed away until their tips are nothing but sharp, bony talons. Do not address these figures. Do not touch them. They are her guardians. In the center of the room, there she should be. She will be sitting in an old, ragged, reclining chair. It is impossible to say how she will look, for her appearance changes for everyone. She should, like her guardians, be asleep. Do not awaken her from her slumber. For now, you have time to rest. There will be food and drink set out upon the coffee table in front of her, and you are welcome to do it. Do not partake in the pie, however, for it will numb your legs. Should you be bold, take a look outside the window. It will resemble a hellish version of the avenue which the hotel is on. The buildings will be burnt out husks of their former selves. The river valley beyond will be dry and cracked. Fire will appear on the horizon, and the ever-burning sun will resemble blood set ablaze. Should you stay for hours on end, you will find no reprieve from the heat. There is no night here. Now, look to the streets. You will find the same figures there as the ones in the room. They, however, are awake, shuffling, screaming, and wailing back from their maws. They have no eyes in their sockets, but by some twisted means they can still see. Take care not to attract their attention, for they will follow you back to our world, and this venture will be for naught. When you are ready, stand before her and speak clearly with these words. Save me, mother, please. Say nothing else and wait. You should start to hear her breathe. At this point, one of the things, one of two things will happen. Remember the key which the guard opened this room with. Should she place that same key on the table in front of you, count yourself lucky. Should she, however, place a different key upon the table, you will need to give her an offering. A knife that was not previously on the table will now be present. The blade will be rusted, bloody. Take this knife and sever a finger, placing it beside the key. Wait. If she places the same key as the guards on the table, you may take it and leave. If not, remove another finger. This will only occur a maximum of four times before the right key will be produced. Once the key is in your possession, she will once again return to her haunted slumber. Now pay attention, for you only have a short amount of time. The guardians will be stirring now. Slowly they will rise from their sleep and turn in towards the room to face you. If they see you, they will slaughter you. Run. You have ten seconds before they will fully turn their corners. Remember that the door with the spl white splash of paint, that is the door you will need to use to remove yourself from this hell. If you hear screaming from behind you, the guardians are fully awake and are coming. You don't have much time. Find the white marked door and get out. You will find yourself inexplicably outside your own home exactly a week after you enter the hotel. Keep the key on you at all times wherever you go. One day in the future, 
distant or near, a ragged old door with the number 777 will appear wherever you happen to be. Use the key and open this door immediately. Leave anyone with you behind. Wherever it leads, it will be far better than what is about to happen to this world. Thanks for sticking along this far into the show. Make sure to stay a little bit longer because I will be saying one more bonus story as a favor to all those who stuck around. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Ben, a true story by Jack. I was with two of my friends, Ben and Nick, on the holidays when it happened. We were in an isolated part of Greece, somewhere that doesn't show up on Google Maps for some reason, traveling down a long stretch of road in our high car in search of the next major city to party in. After initially planning on driving through the night, we accepted that we had lost our way and it was getting too dark to continue. So we pulled into a gas station for directions on where we could stay. The old man handled us an old brochure of a nearby village and insisted we go check it out. <clears throat> Since we were completely lost, we were left with no other option. Something different, we thought, but just how different we could never have guessed as we took the next left and ventured into the headlight lit darkness. The only form of lodging out there was in remote cabins, separated far apart from each other for privacy, we guessed. The self-contained cabins had a bathroom, a queen bed, and a single bed, all that we needed for one night. Nick won the rock off for the single bed, so Ben and I would be sharing. Nick snores anyway, so I was cool with that. One feature of the cabin that unnerved me, however, was large square curtainless windows that occupied the entire area of the vacant wall. It bothered me especially now, because night had fallen and the light was on outside, so it acted as a sort of two-way mirror. Anyone wearing black could easily look through window without being seen. We made plans to go out that night to the village bar, have some drinks, tell stories, and see where the night takes us. We discussed that we would leave the key under the rock by the front porch we were to split up. Whoever came home first would leave the door open for the others to get in. Why don't you say it louder so everyone can hear where we hit it? Ben joked. <clears throat> so when Nick found the pleasure in yelling it at the top of the zones, luckily our cabin was isolated out here and there was nobody close by. I thought to myself as we drove off. It was a surprisingly fun night at the bar. We had plenty of drinks of the local drink, Ozu, until the bar staff informed us we had drunk their stocks dry. It was cheap though in Greece. The next thing I knew it was late. The bar was closing and we had lost Ben. He must have left without us, though I don't remember him telling us where he was leaving, I thought, slightly concerned by him acting out of character. So he left without him taking the car. <clears throat> I need to pee badly. I adjusted in my seat as the car headlights momentarily lit up the cabin and we turned into the driveway to the sound of gravel crunching under the tires. We checked under the rock for the key. It was gone. We tried the door handle. Locked. What the? We both looked up at each other. Ben must have come home before us and he's locked us out. Ben, open up. We need to pee. Hurry, Ben. We banged on the door. 
I heard a stumbling inside like someone literally crawling awkwardly on all fours out of the bed. Jeez, he must be drunk. I can't hold this pee in anymore, I said, and Nick, as Nick and I went to separate sides of the cabin to urinate, and Ben finally opened the door. <clears throat> it felt good urinating. That feeling was harshly interrupted by what caught my attention on the large window, sending a large shiver up my spine. There was this long, thin set of handprints only visible on the window from the mist outside. It looked longer than any human's hand, but much, much thinner. Oh my god. But it quickly cleared my mind of the scary and irrational images it was creating, as it was certainly just a regular human hand that had just been smeared, causing the illusion that it's been longer. Right? Either way, it occurred to me that someone or something might have been watching us. I heard hurriedly finished my business and rushed inside. We are not turning the light on, I thought, to prevent anything from looking in at us. As I locked the front door and went straight to bed, Nick fell asleep instantly, snoring before his head even had hit the pillow, and after a few minutes of tolerating Nick's inconsistent snore, my drooping eyes were my drooping eyes fell weary so I closed them. As soon as they shut, I couldn't help but get the burning feeling that Ben's eyes had opened suddenly and were staring straight at me, menacingly. My body rose in temperature and my heart beat quicker as I sensed this, as if Ben was holding his breath, vision fixated on me so angrily through the darkness. So if we hadn't gone home with him, jeez, what would he be so angry? After a few minutes of calming myself from this irrational fear, I drifted off to sleep. Knock, knock, knock. Open up. You said you wouldn't lock it. Thud, thud, thud. It grew louder. Open the door. It's freaking cold out here. This was the single scariest moment of my life, and the most paralyzing sensation swept over my body. It was Ben at the door. Suddenly, there was a movement in the sheets next to me. Something stirring. I got up faster than I could have in my, in my life and ran to the door. Nick had awoken and come to the same horrific realization as soon as me, right behind, began kicking the door open and fleeing outside to the car. Not once did we look back. I started the car and beckoned Ben to follow, but he didn't know what happened. Still facing into the room, he turned on the light to see inside. This was a true story. It really happened. You can ask Nick if you don't believe me. But I wouldn't ask Ben. He doesn't say much anymore after the incident. And whenever questioned about what he saw that night, his face turns pale and expressionless, and he will immediately shut the nearest curtain. Once again, that last story also comes from the Creepypasta website, as all of the other stories tonight. Thank you again for those that stayed long enough to listen to this bonus story, and for sticking around for the show. Um, it's been your host, Philip Adetan, and also, before I forget... You can submit your own short, scary stories to kjagandthedarkatgmail.com where you might have the chance to have your story read on the podcast. As far as that goes, it's been your host, Philip Adetan, signing off. Only on. Jag in the Dark.